Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we begin a new two-part series on faith. Part one is entitled Faith Lift, because there are times in all of our lives when our faith might be wavering and needs to be lifted. And with today's sermon, here is Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. good in my heart today. The next two weeks, I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about, about faith. Next Sunday, next Sunday, the Lord has given me a message on baptism that I think would be very important for you folks that have never been water baptized and never, never taken the plunge and identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. Of course, next Sunday is water baptism Sunday, and we're going to have a great, great time around here. But I just, you know, I was just reading some scripture the other day and something just, it's stuff you read all the time. I've read it all the time and it just jumped out at me. Two little old verses just jumped out at me. And I'm going to talk about those two little verses today and and, uh, this will not be one of those that you'll hang on the wall and say this is one of those wall of fame sermons or one of those super Sunday sermons. But it'll be something that I think will help you in any difficult time in your life. I, I'm, going, I'm going to speak today on, on the subject of faith. I'm going to call it faith lift. Faith lift. Not face lift. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you younger. I'm trying to make you think more better about God. Faith lift. Everybody say a faith lift. <laughs> the Lord told me a long time ago that I was a faith healer. That I was a faith healer. That did not mean that I would lay hands on people and they'd get healed. But I was a man that healed faith in people's hearts. I restored faith in their lives and their hearts. And today I want to talk a little bit about a faith lift. I believe that everybody in the middle of this month already, we need a faith lift. July is gone. August is behind us. And here we are in the month of September. And we're going into October. And we just don't want to. We don't want to just feed on ashes and just always look back to say what what was and what was. We want to have a fresh anointing of the Lord in our life every time we come to the house of God. And so I want to talk to you today. And I I read these I read these verses, two verses in the book of Psalm chapter nine, verse one and two in the New King James said, "I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart." I will tell of all your marvelous works. Has anybody had anything happen to them good? Amen. We don't need gossip. We need to tell about marvelous works. We don't need murmuring. We need to talk about marvelous works. Verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in you. And I will sing to your name, O Most High. Wow, two little verses, four little phrases that just absolutely blow me away. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor, and I hope he's not lengthy today, and I won't be, I promise. (laughs) And you may be seated. Uh, Thank you for getting up this morning and coming to church. It's a beautiful day, and you could be anywhere, but boy, you're in the house of God. That's a wonderful thing, and, and it's an honor to have you today. Someone... I didn't say this, but someone said, if my body were a car, this is the time I would be thinking about trading it in for a newer model. (laughs) I've got bumps, and I've got dents, and I've got scratches in my finish, 
And my paint job is getting a little dull, but that's not the worst of it. My fenders are too wide to be considered stylish now. They were once as sleek as a little MG. Now they look more like an old Buick with both doors open. My seat cushions have split open at the seams. My seats are sagging. (laughs) Seat belts? I gave all my seat belts up when Bluebell first came on the scene in grocery stores. Airbags? Forget it. The only bags I have are these, these days are under my eyes. Not counting the saddlebags, of course. Said, I have so many miles on my odometer. Sure, I've been many places and seen many things, but when, when's the last time an appraiser factored life experiences against depreciation? My headlights are out of focus. It's especially hard to see things up close. <laughs> my traction is not as graceful as it once was. I slip and I slide and I skid and I bump into things even in the best of weather. My white walls are stained with varicose veins. It takes me hours to reach my maximum speed. (laughs) My fuel rate burns inefficiently. But here's the worst of it. Almost every time I sneeze, cough, or sputter, my radiator leaks. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. The truth is, folks, we're all getting older. The 20-something kids, when I came to this church, are in their 40s now. The 30-something are looking for an early retirement. Little old kids that were six and seven now are young couples in our church that's raising their families to be Christians. Truth is, we're all getting older. It's hard to admit to some, but you got to face up to it. You really do. I read there's an internet site called Facelift and it's marketing non-surgical rejuvenating products. Their webpage states, our revolutionary formula is guaranteed to make you look 10 years younger in just 15 short minutes. I signed up the other day. No expense, no no expensive, painful surgery, 100% money back guarantee. I want my money back. Sounds incredible, doesn't it? I think it's one of those too-good-to-be-true scams. Reminds me of the old farmer that came to town for the first time. He saw an elevator for the first time, and he watched an old woman get in and the door shut. And a few seconds later, the door opened, and a young, vibrant, beautiful woman walked out. He turned to his son and said, hurry, son, go get your mama. She needs to get in that box right now. I didn't call that number. I didn't call facelift. We all might want to look younger. We might need to be younger. But it's probably not going to happen. We just need to take care of ourselves now. Whether you're 50, 60, 40, 30, 70, 80. If we blew it in the past, it's a done deal. We have to make the best of what we have now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says it this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though inwardly, Outwardly, pardon me, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. I've often said that people are just as old as their spirit is. And there's a lot of teenagers that are 80 years old in our church today. 
And there's a lot of people that have younger spirits than people that are 30 years old in our church today that are 50 years their senior. Because it's the spirit of a man that makes the candle to the Lord. There is, there is, there is something that I have been, I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. There, there, there's what I call soul tired. Some people just get soul tired. You just, your soul just gets tired. You, you get tired. You get weary with life. You really, really do. And life can just keep throwing things at you. You know, you know MC Hammer said one time that life comes at you fast on a commercial and you can lose everything and things that you thought were going to be successful or not successful and things you thought were going to be beautiful turned out ugly and things that you thought were going to be right have turned out wrong. And it's easy to get an old, old spirit. It's easy to get an old heart that will not be revived by the presence of God. But that's why we should come every Sunday and every Wednesday to church and say, Lord, Revive my spirit and make me the person that you want me to be. I may be 85 or 90 when I lay this body down, but my spirit is going to be young until the day you call me home because there's something about the presence of God. You see, the eternal that he put on the inside of us never ages. It just absolutely stays young and vibrant all the days of our life. Would you clap your hands to that right now? It's easy. It's easy sometimes to lose heart. You look at the world and the condition of the world and we can lose heart. You look in the mirror and you can lose heart. But you can't stop the aging process. But we can grow stronger inwardly. Even if we can't get a facelift, we can get what I call a faith lift. Our faith cannot be lifted by outside sources. And I think we all need to focus more on the Lord and knowing Him personally if we want to get a faith lift in our life, we can never get too close to God or never have too much faith in Him. I've always said, the greater my faith with God, the merrier my heart. When I see God in all His beauty and glory, I get happy. I get happy when I understand that God is still on His throne and He's still in control of this world and we hear all these prophecy things that are negative in our life, but we still look up and know he still has the whole world in his hands. And the merrier our heart, the merrier our life will be, and the merrier the relation with others will be, and people will see a glow about us that says, wow, I wish I had that youthful spirit that they possess in their life. Chuck Swindoll in his book, Knowing God, Life's Major Pursuit, wrote this. He said, Unless God is the major pursuit of our lives, all other pursuits are dead in streets, including trying to know ourselves. They won't work. They won't satisfy. They won't result in fulfillment. You never really begin to process the process of coming to know yourself until you begin the process of beginning to know God. So I want, I want, I want to talk to you today. Knowing God is vital in life. Paul said this. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Here's what I want to tell you. Paul said it doesn't matter if I'm high as a kite or if I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to get to know him in my life. I want him to be paramount in my life. I want him to be the most vital thing in my life. 
I love my family and I love this church and I love everything about this city of Austin except we're not winning right now. I love everything. I love every sinner in this town, but I want to tell you something. I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know him. I want to get to know him in every facet of my life. When I get up in the morning, I want to know him. When I lay down at night, I want to know him. When I walk through the day, I want to know him. When I bow down my knee, I want to know him. When I praise his name, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to get to know him. So I'm going to preach four little old points today, and I'm going to tell tell them to you before I even preach them. I'm going to talk about praising him. I'm going to talk about telling of him. I'm going to talk about rejoicing in him. I'm going to talk about singing to him. I want to talk about that today. First of all, I want to talk to you. I know it's just a simple little four-point message, but I want to preach a little bit today. David said, I will praise thee. I will praise him. He said, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. The first thing, if we're going to have a faith lift, is we've got to learn to praise God. Clap your hands right now and say, that's, that's good. That's the word of God. We will. We will praise him. Will get your will involved. Not I'm going to praise him, but I will praise him. I will praise him. You know, the greatest thing that God gave us really was the power of choice. But he also gave us a will in our hearts and our lives. And we can will things. You know that as far as well as I know. You've seen film about it, but you also know that you've had to will yourself sometimes. And we need to will ourselves to praise him. Everybody say, I will, I will. praise him. Praise a preacher was in a crowded restaurant one time and he was about to start eating his meal when a man walked up and said, can I sit down beside you, preacher? He said, sure, man, sit down. The restaurant was crowded, so the man sat down and the preacher already had his food. He said, go ahead and order and I'll pick your bill up if you don't mind. I'll just go ahead and take care of you too. And so he bowed his head and he started praying. And the man looked at him and and, he, and when he raised his head, he said, are you sick? He said, no. No. He said, well, is, is there something wrong with your food? He said, no. I was simply thanking God before I eat. And the man said, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those. Well, I want you to know, he said, I never give thanks. Because I work for my money by the sweat of my brow. And I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in when the food gets here. And the pastor said, you're just like my dog. He does that too. (laughs) Now that is a tough pastor. I won't tell you who that was, but that's a tough pastor. That's a tough pastor. It wasn't me as a tough pastor. (laughs) Thankfulness and gratitude still must be the attitudes of the day. Turn to your neighbor, say, are you grateful today? Are you thankful today? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 is the toughest verse in the Bible to live. It's the toughest one to live. It says in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not in some things, in everything. In everything. In everything. I'm going to say it, in everything. In everything. We got to keep praising him. We got to keep giving him thanks. It's the toughest scripture in the whole Bible is that scripture. Because when you're down, you've got to praise him. When you're, when you're defeated, you've got to praise him. When everything's going against you, you've got to praise him. When you've got a flat tire and you're already 10 minutes late for work, you've got to praise him. 
You got to give him praise in everything. Everything by praise and supplication to God. Amen. We are, we are a church that, that blesses a lot of people. We really are. And we've had a lot of experiences with blessing people, both positive and negative. And, and I love to bless people. And, and it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it really doesn't bother me when people are not grateful for what we've done. But I have some sister churches and some people that I have talked to in my life that have had some real didos, if you can use that word, just some real mess-ups. Uh, for the ungratefulness of people, for instance, a, a, a friend a friend transported some used living room furniture to a local woman who had no income. And as they hauled out of the pickup truck and set it up in her home, she stood silently watching those people. And she eventually said, this is good, but do you have a footstool for me? Can I have a footstool to put so my guests won't put their feet on this nice coffee table that y'all brought me? And several times in the ensuing months, that person would phone and inquire about a footstool which never materialized. And one day she called to announce, I need some new furniture. And when they asked her to explain, she said, I moved to a different house and I left that other furniture at the old place. It was old besides the couch had a broken leg and I didn't like it. Another woman, another woman, I I could say a man, but another woman, (laughs) telephoned the church in panic saying, I don't have any food, my food stamps are out. And so as an emergency thing, the, the people of the church decided to take her some emergency food from their own pantries. And they delivered it to her and accepting the food, she asked, can you find me a rollaway bed? This food's nice, but I have no place to sleep but on the floor. So they went and found her a rollaway bed, brought it back the next week. And while the person was unloading it from the truck, she stood there in the window with her arms folded, watching them unload this bed not wanting to help. And she waited while they assembled it and then she flatly said, the food you brought me the other day was poisonous and I almost died. And, and the person that was putting the rollaway down said, do you think you might have contacted the flu or contract the flu? It's going around. She insisted, no, you had poisoned me. That's how happy she was because they brought food then they brought her a bed and it wasn't enough. Another woman was invited to a wedding, didn't have the right proper clothes, so a nice woman in the church whose family made a great living brought her to her house and said, go through my closet and pick anything you want in your size and you can take it and wear it to the wedding. When she went through the woman's closet... Of all the beautiful clothes, she said, this is not my style. I don't think I want this. Stories of ingratitude like that bother us all. It really, really does. But many times, we take the blessing of God for granted, just like people that don't have take our gifts to them for granted. Because there's a sense of entitlement that gets a hold of all of us sometimes, And when we think that we can do this by ourselves, we realize that we can't make it by ourselves. And God needs to give us a faith lift to understand that it's not knowing us that matters, it's knowing Him that matters. And the Bible said, David said, I may be king of Israel. I may have armies. I may have people all over the world that honor me and bow to me. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise Him. (laughs) I will praise Him. Does anybody want to put your hands together? And have a faith lift right now and just praise the one that has blessed you and comforted you and saved your soul. That's good stuff. 
He said, the second thing I'm gonna do, I will tell of all your wonders. I must tell of him. I gotta talk about him. I gotta talk about him. Jesus asked one day, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. I wanna know who you tell people or what you tell people who Jesus is to you. What do you tell people who Jesus is to you? Do you tell people that he's one that will not always be there for you? Do you tell people that he doesn't really care, he just kind of shows up every now and then? Do you think that when he rewards you monetarily that that's when he's with you and when you don't feel good, he's not with you? Do you feel like that Jesus is, is that shallow of a God? I would like for this church to become such a witness for Jesus Christ that everywhere you went, the smile would be on your face and the glow would be in your heart and that young spirit would exude from a 60, 70-year-old body, 50-year-old body and say, hey, I have found the greatest thing in all the world. I found something better. I found something better than anything this world could offer. Well, what is it? Sit down, let me tell you about it. I've become acquainted with Jesus Christ. It's just a simple message, but it does something about your faith. It lifts your faith. I heard about a preacher one time, a pastor of the church was in a little debt. And so he, he found a bunch of Bibles in the, back in the storeroom and he thought we could, we could get out of debt if we sold all these Bibles. And so he, he knew he had two good salesmen in his church, a man named Peter and a man named Paul. And he wanted them to go sell these Bibles. And, and they said, well, we'll sell them, Pastor. We'll sell them. How much you want? He said, well, we'll tell them we'll sell them for $10 a piece and we'll put our church logo in there and maybe they'll come to church. We're not going to sell them. We're going to give them away here. But anyhow, this is a good story. Anyhow, there was an old boy that came to church all the time. He was a farmer. His name was John. And John had a speech problem. He had a speech problem. He couldn't talk real good sometime, most of the time. And so he said, I'd like to sell some too. And so the pastor said, well, all right, John. So he kind of winked at the other guys, you know, like y'all are salesmen and y'all are sale and old John. But when they came back a week later in front of church, the pastor said, Peter, how many Bibles did you sell? He said, Pastor, I have a $200. I sold 20 Bibles at $10 a piece. Wow, they gave him a standing ovation. Awesome. I've got $200 to give to the church. Paul, how many did you sell? I sold 28, Pastor. I outdid my buddy over there. I got $280. So the pastor thought, well, I've got to ask Paul John, the old farmer. I've got to ask him. John? He had a little speech impediment. John? How many did you sell? He held up an envelope stuffed with money. The pastor counted $3,200. Well, they'd had to bring John up because John had outsold the salesman of the church. He sold 320 Bibles. And they said, John, when they got him up, how did you do it? He said, well, I just went up to the door, knocked on it, and said, when they came to the door, I said, I've got this 
Bible for sale. How much? $10. And said, if you don't want to buy it, maybe I could just read it to you. That ought to take every bit of excuse away from your life about talking about Jesus Christ. If a man can stutter and sell 320 Bibles, we can tell somebody, I found the pearl of great price. I found the joy of my life. We need to talk about Jesus every day of our life. My dad never liked that story because my dad stuttered. But I loved my dad. I'm not making fun of people. But I'm telling you, it don't matter if you say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to talk. I don't know what to say. Just smile and just share the Lord in your life. What if they get into Scripture? A personal testimony is so much more powerful than anything you could ever imagine. I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. What do you want? You want an argument or you want the peace of God in your heart? You want somebody to teach you how to argue? I can teach you that on a Bible study. If you want to learn how to argue, get somebody. But what people want is somebody that's got some joy in their life. Amen. 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 Share Jesus. Come on, share Jesus. That's how you get a faith lift. It's sharing the Lord in your life. Let me, let me preach a little bit. The third thing David said I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to rejoice in him. I will be glad and rejoice in you. You know what hell can't handle? Hell can't handle happy people. He can't handle that. Hell don't, hell don't want happy Christians. He can't stand that. He wants worried Christians. He wants dismayed Christians. I told you it wasn't going to be one you'd hang on your wall, but it'd be one to stay with you a long time. He wants dismayed Christians. He wants frying bacon Christians. He wants people that just stay in the... He wants those kind of Christians. He don't want Christians that walk with peace in their life. He don't want people that say, I know where I'm going and I'm happy to be going there. He wants Christians that smile and have a joy in their heart when they're eating bluebell or when they're eating cornbread. He wants people to smile when they don't have a dime in the bank or when they're overflowing in their coffers. He wants people to have the joy of the Lord if they're sick or if they're well. He wants people to have the joy of the Lord if everything's going against them. God wants his people to be joyous, amen. He wants his people to be joyous in him. Habakkuk said it this way. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there be no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Anyhow. <laughs> Read that scripture every now and then and just say at the end, hallelujah, anyhow. It does not matter. Habakkuk saw a time when he had nothing and yet he rejoiced in the God of his salvation. He rejoiced and was glad. God wants us to rejoice in him. That's how you get a faith lift. 
That's how you get a faith lift. I, I, I'm just going. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. Okay. If somebody comes around talking smack to you and negative to you about life and about Jesus and about church and about them and about just life in general, just they're negative, just kind of look at them and say, you know what? You need to be listening to me instead of me listening to you. Don't hurt their feelings. But I don't have that same story. You don't have to get on the boat because the boat is sinking. You have a boat that's floating. Get somebody on your boat and take them to a better place. This world, oh, let me preach right now. This world needs people that rejoice in the Lord and are happy with the God of their salvation. Come on, we're not on a sinking ship. We're on a glorious ship. We're on a glorious path. And God is with us. I don't care if the nothing's budding and the stalls are empty. We're going to rejoice anyhow. <laughs> I remember when I first when I first pastored the first church I ever pastored. I lived in the back of the church. It was fun. My living room was the fellowship hall. The dining room was the other end of the fellowship hall. And my bedroom was the pastor's office. It had a shower. And it had no windows. And you could sleep at 3 o'clock in the afternoon thinking it was 12 midnight. It was that dark. And the kitchen was there. And we walked right out of our fellowship, uh, right out of our kitchen table into the church service. Right this Excuse me, folks, I just had a biscuit, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and those times, I look back, and those times were so precious to me. I never thought I was sacrificing. I never thought that I was doing something, oh, God, can you see this poor, wretched man that I am? I need a house. I never saw it as sacrifice. It was so wonderful just to serve the Lord. People look at me now and say, wow, I wish I could be blessed like pastor. You wouldn't want to live with me when I was first starting to pastor. But I was blessed then and I'm blessed now. And the reason I got from there to here is because I counted the blessing of God then like I count the blessing of God now. You can't wait till you get somewhere to rejoice. You've got to rejoice right where you are. I'm going to rejoice in him. And then, and then we finally got our first house. Paid $19,000 for my first house. $19,000. Three bedroom, two bath, 1,200 square feet. Had a garage, two-car garage that I turned into a little game room because I, I was pastor and youth pastor and all kinds of pastor then. I had the kids over a lot. You know, I was everything. I was in my 20s. I had to do all of it. And I'd have those kids over and I got them all kinds of games. I, I, I found games and I got games for them. And, and, and we just had so much fun. I, I finally was able to get me a swimming pool in the backyard, not a below ground, above ground. 
one of those kinds, if it gets out of, out of balance a little, it'll lean too far, you know, and water will run out of it. But I never saw myself as being sacrificial. That wasn't sacrifice. It was awesome times. I, re- I rejoiced in it. I rejoiced in the Lord because it was awesome. It was an awesome thing. I remember several years later, I took, I took a staff, Jonathan and Russ and, 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 and those guys, and, and I think uh, Nate might have still been here before he left, but Nate might have already left. But Jonathan and Russ, I took them up to Dallas one time, and I wanted to show them where I pastored, and I wanted to show them the house that I lived in, and I wanted to show them all the stuff and the, and the place where I played golf and all that stuff. They liked the place I played golf, and I wanted to show them all that stuff. And we drove up to the house. We drove to the house and I said, here's where I live. 2620 Clearview Circle is where I live, right there. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a neat house? And it looked like it was about to fall over. It really did look like it was about to fall over. It didn't ever feel that way when I lived in it. Am I preaching to somebody right now? And Jonathan, I looked over to Jonathan. I love Jonathan more. He's built such a wonderful church in San Antonio. I love him and Alicia. And he had his head turned to the other side of the street. And I said, Jonathan, look, here's my house. And when he turns, he's, he's crying his eyes out. He said, Pastor, I can't stand to see it. Why? Why? God was as good to me there as he is now. Some of us need to understand it's not what we possess. It's what we have on the inside. Oh, you need to rejoice. You need to rejoice in the God of glory right now. Dr. Criswell, First Baptist Church in Dallas. I used to see him all the time. He was my buddy. He's prayed for me more times than I can think. I love Dr. Criswell. And uh, he told about an ambitious young man who had promised to tithe God his income. And he prayed for God to bless his career. And at the time, he was making $40 per week and tithing just $4. In a few years, his income increased and he was tithing $500 per week. He's making $5,000 a week. And he called on the pastor to see if he could be released from his tithing promise. Because it was too costly. And the pastor replied, Dr. Crizzle replied, I don't see how you can be released from your promise, but we can ask God to reduce your income to $40 a week again. <laughs> what I'm saying, if you're making $40 a week or you're making $5,000, you're a multimillionaire, or you're looking for your next job, you need to rejoice in the Lord today. Come on, you need to rejoice in the Lord today. You need to rejoice in the Lord today. Come on, you need to rejoice in the Lord today. God's blessing you right now, right where you are. He's blessing you right now. I close. Let me finish. The fourth thing we must do is I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I will sing praise to your name. We must sing of him. We must sing to him. Randy, come and help me. We've got to sing. Anybody, anybody tone deaf in the house? Come on, honest. Just get honest. Anybody tone deaf? You don't know it, do you? That's why you don't raise your hand. It's one of those questions you don't know the answer to. Some of them people on American Idol need to have somebody ask that question. 
Some people that I know just don't know if it's okay to sing. In Psalms, the 137th Psalm, they hung their harps on willows because they were in a strange land and they said, they're, they're requiring us to sing a song in this strange land. We can't do that. Hear me, folks. Listen to me. Listen to me. What is in you is real. What's around you is surreal. And what is around you is temporal. What is in you is eternal. You know why birds sing? Birds sing because they were born to sing, number one. And number two, they sing to keep the enemy away. And number three, they sing because they feel like they own that tree. They don't want another bird on that branch with them. Here's what I'm saying. God made you unique. You're special. You really are. I, I recall, I'm, I'm a sports buff, and I recall the 88 World Series between the Oakland Athletics and the Los Angeles Dodgers when Kirk Gibson hit that famous home run and limped around the bases. And the Dodgers beat him, and Oil Hershiser was the most valuable player. And the, the camera showed it many times, him on the bench over there with his head back against the wall of the dugout. And he was worthy mouthing some things. And everybody wanted to know what he was doing because the players wouldn't tell on him. So Johnny Carson had him on TV a little later. He said, what were you doing over there, Oral? What were you doing? He said, I was just singing. He said, singing? He said, yeah. He said, what were you singing? He said, oh, it don't matter. I was just humming a few bars of some song. He said, you know, Carson was a, he'd get after it. He'd say, Oral, what were you singing? I want to hear what you were singing. And he said, well, I can't sing. But I was singing. And Carson said, we'll not leave this room tonight until you tell us and sing what you were singing. So he started singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Carson thought it was going to be one of those ditty songs. One of those rock and roll tunes. He didn't realize it was going to be. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Praise God for whom all blessings flow. Praise Him creatures here below. He sung it all. And when he got through singing, the place was quiet. They didn't know whether to clap or fall down and repent. <laughs> but if a man can sing to the whole world on television 
and not be ashamed of the fact that he's a child of God. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to open up my mouth, tone deaf and all, and I'm going to sing unto the Lord a new song. I'm going to praise him with all that I am. I will praise you. I will tell of your wondrous goodness. I will rejoice and be glad in you. And I will sing. I will sing. Folks, you can't go through those four little phrases there, four little things of two scriptures, and leave without your faith being lifted. Without your faith being lifted. I went to a revival service Friday night. Heard a man speak that I'm going to have come here and speak to us. He lifted my faith. He blessed me mightily. And all the way home, Brother Larry went with me. My road buddy, Brother McGee, he went with me. Danny DeVito. And all the way home, all the way home, he was saying, wow, 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 wow. He'd be at second service, I won't do this. Wow, wow. Rev, he said, my faith just got a lift. And I said, I'm going to preach that Sunday in my spirit. I'm going to preach that Sunday. I'm going to preach, we need a faith lift in our life. And when I read these scriptures earlier in the week, I said, I'll connect it. That's what it is. We need a faith lift in our hearts. We need to praise him. We need to tell of his wondrous, marvelous works in our life. We need to rejoice and be glad no matter what situation it is. We need to sing unto him a new song. Amen. Amen. I love you people. Come here. I need a man here. Come here, Brother John. Come here, Brother John. Come here, Brother. Come here. Come here. Both of you. Come here. Come here. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. Boy, I've got a young spirit, though. Now, listen. Listen to me. Every service does not have to end on some huge crescendo. But I feel faith being lifted in this house right now. I feel faith being lifted in this house right now. Say, I will praise him. I will tell about how good he is in my life. Come on, I will do that. I'll rejoice and be glad. And I will sing to him a brand new song in my heart and my life. Amen. 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 And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.